It's Tuesday, August the 18th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, an Arctic sanctuary prized open and an emergency summit for Belarus. First, the world in brief. The Trump administration overturned long-held protections for a giant slice of Alaska, opening up much of the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge to oil and gas development. The Department of the Interior said it would auction off leases to drill inside the coastal plain. Environmentalists, alarmed especially by the danger posed to wildlife, vowed to fight it in the courts. America's Democrats kicked off their first virtual convention from Milwaukee with little pomp in pandemic circumstance. The first of four days featured Republicans backing Joe Biden for president against their own party's incumbent. Michelle Obama warned that if you think things cannot possibly get worse with Donald Trump's re-election, they can. A second term, said Bernie Sanders, would imperil democracy itself. Charles Michel, the president of the European Council, condemned violence against protesters in Belarus and called an emergency summit of EU leaders to discuss the country's rigged presidential election. Thousands have demonstrated against the official result, which gave Alexander Lukashenko, who has been in power for 26 years, 80% of the vote. Yesterday, Mr Lukashenko was heckled while addressing factory workers in the capital, Minsk. Having already released results for A-Levels, a school leaver's qualification, Ofqual, England's exams regulator, changed how they are awarded. Previously, they were decided by an algorithm which took into account teachers' assessments and schools' past performance, leading to an outcry when students from poor areas were disproportionately downgraded. Students' grades will now be whichever is higher, the algorithms or the teachers' predictions. The Trump administration continued its campaign against Huawei, a Chinese telecoms company, by restricting the firm's ability to buy foreign-made chips based on American technology. The new rules build on restrictions put in place in May that prevent Huawei from designing its own chips using American know-how. The Commerce Department also blacklisted 38 Huawei-affiliated companies that it claimed were avoiding trade restrictions. A former officer of America's Central Intelligence Agency was charged with passing defense secrets to China. Alexander Yuqing Ma, born in Hong Kong, worked for the CIA in 1982-1989 and later became a contractor with security clearance. The trail of Chinese espionage is long and sadly strewn with former American intelligence officers, lamented a Department of Justice bigwig. Work began to remove the wreckage of a Japanese ship that ran aground off the coast of Mauritius on July 25th and which cracked in two on August 16th, spilling tons of oil into the sea. Thousands of civilian volunteers have been working for several days to minimise the environmental damage, which is thought to be substantial. And editor's note, in some editions of Monday's Espresso, we incorrectly stated that the borders of Nepal had been reopened and that travellers could again visit the country. International flights were scheduled to resume on the 17th, but this has been pushed back 15 days. Apologies. And now, here's today's agenda. The fire last time, Lebanon and Hezbollah. After a decade of work, the verdict may be inconsequential. 
Today, the Special Tribunal for Lebanon, a UN-backed court in The Hague, will pass judgment on four men tried in absentia for the assassination of Rafiq Hariri, Lebanon's former Prime Minister, in 2005. The defendants are alleged members of Hezbollah, an Iranian-backed political party and militia. The group's leader, Hassan Nasrallah, says he does not feel concerned about the verdict, which could trigger protests by either Hezbollah's supporters or its foes. But many Lebanese have more pressing concerns, a crushing economic crisis and the widespread destruction in their capital. The massive explosion at Beirut's port on August 4th, which killed more than 180 people and wounded thousands, delayed the ruling. The government quit last week. Politics is paralysed while Parliament haggles over a successor. Reconstruction will be a struggle in a bankrupt country with a greatly devalued currency. Today's tragedies may overshadow those of the past. Stocking up Walmart's profitable pandemic. The beast of Bentonville has done well during the pandemic thanks both to its enormous groceries division, it sells roughly a quarter of America's total, and its online innovations, such as a partnership with Instacart, an internet startup for grocery deliveries. Analysts forecast that the firm will today report a 3.8% gain in quarterly revenues compared with a year ago, taking them to $135 billion. Resilient demand for groceries and growing spending on higher margin goods like electronics and shoes have benefited the firm. Keen to make fewer trips during the pandemic, shoppers are also buying more in one go. But bears worry about stiffer online competition from Amazon, whose e-commerce offerings in America are eight times as big as Walmart's, and Kroger, a large supermarket chain making a big online push. Unless it soon launches Walmart Plus, a much-anticipated but long-delayed subscription service taking aim at Amazon's lucrative Prime membership, expect a squeeze ahead. 100 Years of Suffrage, the Anniversary of the 19th Amendment Today marks a century since Tennessee became the 36th and final state needed to ratify the 19th Amendment, granting American women the right to vote despite male fears of petticoat rule. The Democratic National Convention, which kicked off on Monday, shows how much has changed. Numerous influential women will take the podium, including Hillary Clinton, Nancy Pelosi and Kamala Harris, who could become America's first female vice president. But pundits prophesying that Ms. Harris will secure women voters for Joe Biden should remember that there has never been a monolithic women's vote. Women helped lead the movement against suffrage in the early 1900s and against the Equal Rights Amendment in the 1970s. Though Mrs. Clinton won most female voters in 2016, at least 47% of white women broke for Donald Trump. The anniversary is also a reminder that women have still not secured equal representation in public office. Today, only 24% of Congress is female. Epistemic pandemic. Google demonetizes COVID-19 claptrap. COVID-19 misinformation and conspiracy theories is about to become less prominent and less profitable. Starting today, Google will stop placing ads alongside web content that contradicts authoritative scientific consensus about the virus and will ban ads promulgating misinformation about the coronavirus.
This is not Google's first attempt to crack down. It has employed the former tactic called demonetization on YouTube, its video sharing site. That led to complaints that the algorithms that determine which videos get demonetized are too strict. It also banned COVID-19 related advertisements from non-governmental entities in February, but reversed course in April after Democrats grumbled that the policy would prevent them from criticizing the Trump administration's response to the pandemic. Other online giants have also struggled with similar conspiracy theories. Facebook, TikTok and Twitter recently removed some content related to QAnon, a convoluted web of beliefs alleging a deep state plot against Mr. Trump that has spread widely during the pandemic, peddling COVID-19 misinformation and other crackpot ideas. Polling postponed New Zealand's election. New Zealand's parliament should have been dissolved by now, ahead of a general election on September 19th. But today, legislators return to work. A new outbreak of COVID-19 prompted the Labour Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern to delay polling by a month. Opposition parties are pleased. The main one, National, had argued that the outbreak restricted campaigning, stacking the odds in Ms Ardern's favour. She was ahead regardless. Labour's approval ratings soared to more than 60% after a strict lockdown imposed in March stamped out local transmissions of the virus for more than three months. But its resurgence, which last week shut down Auckland for a second time, could take off some of the shine. New Zealand now has 58 cases outside state quarantine facilities, but Ms Arden is loath to let her opponents make hay. She has absolutely no intention of delaying the election again, even if the numbers grow. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Brian Aldiss, who was born on this day in 1925. Whatever creativity is, it is in part a solution to a problem. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.